Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, guys? Hey, sorry that my uh, my sound was not turned on, but luckily I caught it immediately. Uh, and you probably also can't hear my wonderful guests, wh- who I will intro while I am fixing the sound there. This this always happens when I go between my uh, laptop and my desktop because it gets set to the sound from my laptop, and then it tries to find those same drivers on my desktop and it can't find them and it's like oh we're just not gonna put anything there we're just gonna like just do nothing so uh that's how that works but you can see we have joining us on the falcoholic live this evening for our falcons training camp q a session with our lovely very successful very supportive patrons uh joining us is dave choate the man himself at the falcoholic dave how are we doing tonight doing great doing great so excited that we have preseason football and that excitement will last until 6 30 on friday yes i will love love that first series and then you know it's going to be back to the simulator after that so <laughs> at least his name worked i'm gonna have to come up with something for felipe franks in the fourth quarter um but at least maybe he'll go play tight end uh, at some point too which will be very exciting i'm sure we'll have felipe franks questions tonight also joining us Adnan, you get chat say which way. Adnan, how we doing? Uh, doing very well. You know, ready to talk some football today and shit, all week. I'll be on. I'll be on shows all week with you this week, Kevin. Yes, we got a, We got a full docket this week, guys. We're no longer, of course, at training camp. Although Adnan was there on Saturday, I'm sure we'll get his full takes from that practice on uh, tomorrow, Wednesday's show. We'll have a full regular Wednesday live show for you guys. Um, but yeah, we uh, are here to answer your training camp questions. We're going to have, like I said, that live show on Wednesday night, which is tomorrow. Uh, for those of you watching live, welcome, Ollie. How you doing, man? Appreciate you. Uh, Ollie, you're in the UK. I think you're actually from the UK. Unlike the guy that was pretending to be from the UK. I believe Ollie is actually from the UK. So shout out to Ollie, because I'm sure it's really late over there right now. So uh, big shout out. It's midnight over there right now. Yeah, so big shout out. Uh, appreciate that, Ollie. Uh, and everyone else, I know we got a ton of questions from the Discord and from the patron, uh, the Patreon stuff. Um, so we'll make sure to cover that stuff tonight. And then for those of you here live, uh, feel free to throw your questions in the chat. We will get to those as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive right in. I know the yeah, Ollie is the actual UK guy, confirmed real UK guy, Ollie. Okay, good to know. Uh, so we'll start with the topic of the day, which is Roquan Smith. We got Rodders underscore four on the Discord uh, with this question. Any chance we could actually make a move for Roquan Smith? Um, that might actually be Ollie because it says he's coming from the UK. So that might just be his Discord name, which would be funny. But maybe that is your question, Ollie. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so do we think that there's a realistic chance that 
Rokon Smith, Rokon Smith could come to an Atlanta, or do we think it's impossible? Um, yeah, so it is actually Ollie. So it makes it's perfect because uh, Ollie's actually here, so we can answer his question first. I think that that makes a lot of sense from that angle as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dave, I'll go to you first. A lot of talk about Roquan Smith today. What do you think about the actual chances of something like that happening? Yeah, I, I was all set to do my usual, you know, hate mass thing that I do where I write an article being like, oh, you know, what, what's a, the possibility of a trade and then end it with there's no chance. Um, but <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I think it's it's probably unlikely, but it could happen. Um, you know, Terry Fontenot, I think, has been cautious and patient to this point because he's had to be, you know, he wants to get this team on a better footing um, with the cap, first of all but also everything from his New Orleans background suggests that he's not going to be shy about spending money and potentially draft capital to improve this team. So I think if you look at it, it's a question of how satisfied are the Falcons with um, their current inside linebacker group and what do they want to do with their cap windfall next year? Because if you think that you know, a guy who's only 25 years old is somebody you want to keep long-term, you can think you can make that work financially and you think he's a big upgrade over what you have, which he probably is, obviously, Um, I think there's a legitimate possibility. Plus Ryan Pace, you know, is like tugging on his shirt sleeve and going, (laughs) please please give me a bear. So I, you know, I I think probably he'll end up staying in Chicago on a new deal, or it'll be another team blowing away Chicago with an offer, but I I would not say this one's impossible. So we'll see if there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, because of the Chicago connection, the chance is higher. Because of the existing relationship with the front office, it's more likely that the Falcons could get an offer in that would be, like, accepted. Um, But again, like, and I'll get Adnan's take before I go in detail in it. But yeah, I mean, I think there are reasons that you could see that it makes sense and also reasons that it probably doesn't. But Adnan, I'll let you get your take in first on the possibility of Roquan Smith coming back home to Georgia. Oh, he is a he is a former dog after all. Yep, yep. Um, I don't think it's likely, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, I I know we have the Ryan Pace connection. We had um, Cordero Patterson lobbying hard for it on Twitter, even changing his profile picture to Rokon <laughs> when he was uh when he was playing for Georgia. Um, and I saw this very funny tweet saying, "Oh, like someone tell Ryan Pace to actually get one of the good Chicago Bears for a change instead of all <laughs> the guys we've been getting." Uh, yeah, but but no, just for all all the reasons Dave listed out, and I'm not saying it's like completely impossible, um, but just looking at where this team is currently uh, in their rebuild uh, versus the kind of money that Roquan Smith will be commanding next year. He'll be a free agent an unrestricted free agent. He'll be 26. So he'll still be in his prime, but he's probably going to be looking for record setting linebacker money as is his right. Um, and I just, I just don't see the Falcons being in that position right now to spend that draft capital uh, and and that salary cap, even though they will have a lot of cap space next offseason, I, I don't see them doing that for you know for a linebacker who's even though he is still in his prime. But that feels like one of those moves that you make when you're kind of just a step or two away from the World Series. It's like the move that the Rams made last last uh, trade deadline for Von Miller, where it's like, all right, we're very very close, 
and this is the move that could put us over the top. The Falcons are still very far away from getting to that point where, you know, they're looking for that final trade piece. So, you know, I think Fontenot will remain cautious. And I think, you know, maybe maybe a few years from now, we'll be in a position to make to make that kind of move. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I the reason I could see it is because I think we know that the middle linebacker in DNP's defense is very, very important. Um, we've seen when he's had the most success, he's had that like elite guy back there, like a, like a Ray Lewis, for example. Um, and I guess you could argue, you know, is Roquan Smith that type of guy? Is he that level of player? He's obviously very good. Um, elite coverage linebacker, really good blitzer. Uh, you know, he would seem to fit sort of what the Falcons would be wanting there. But the question is like, are they going to prioritize an off-ball linebacker with... They will have money next year, certainly, so they could probably afford to make this deal work. Um, and in terms of draft capital, I don't think it would be that outlandish in terms of the, the cost to trade for him, but you know, would you be willing to give up a third-rounder plus a massive contract for an off-ball linebacker? That's the thing that I get caught up on. I just don't know that that's something that they're going to want to do. They did just add Troy Anderson. They've got, you know, a, a pretty solid group in here already. Now, if you could like get the Bears to take Deion Jones in the deal as well and get out of that situation at the same time, that's that's where this could be more realistic um, because you would be getting some salary cap relief while taking on, you know, while getting a big contract going to Roquan Smith, but you're basically like swapping it out for savings. Um so I, I think it's possible, but it, it, I don't think it makes a ton of sense for where they are in terms of the team building process. I would think that Deion Jones would maybe even have to be in the deal because Roquan is looking for a new contract right now. Um, and sure, the Falcons can structure a contract for him. Let's say in theory they do trade for him without Deion Jones being involved. They can structure a contract to have a very minimal cap hit and. 2022 and for and for Roquan to get his money but I I don't think that Terry Fontenot wants to do something like that just given everything he's done to this point of you know getting himself out of that hole of you know of cap space hell so I I would think he'd be very very gun shy about giving anyone a, a tiny tiny cap hit the first year and then having that just blow up over the yeah, next yeah. season especially if it's a contract that's you know that would be a record-setting deal for linebackers which is what we're expecting so I would expect that you know Deion Jones would have to be in that deal and I mean I'm sure I'm sure the Falcons would love to put Deion Jones in that deal but you know uh I don't think the Bears would be interested in that yeah I agree I agree so unlikely it's a possibility but there's some stuff they would have to have to do to make to make it work basically is what we're i think we're sort of arriving at um i know we had a question from kevin dog about our thoughts on desmond ritter at this point um so uh i'll let you get the first crack at this one what do you you've seen ritter in person now what do you think about desmond ritter so far um he's been all right like you know <laughs> he's been he he's been solid like uh don't get me wrong but he's not he hasn't been as good as Marcus Mariota has been and i mean it, it's clear that this front office and coaching staff immediately 
announced at the very beginning of training camp, Marcus Mariota is going to be the guy. Um, this There is no quarterback competition. And, you know, Mariota has gotten all the run with the ones. Ritter's had some of his some of his uh, rookie mistakes here and there. And, I mean, Mariota's had his mistakes as well. But he, Ritter has clearly been the second-best quarterback um, at training camp behind Mariota. Uh, I know it's a it's a hit to some of the people that were expecting him to come in and and be Matt Ryan right away, um. But you know that's that's a very very rare thing which we saw in two thousand eight, and I know that we've gotten spoiled over the past decade since Matt Ryan with rookie quarterbacks coming in and just immediately starting from day one. But it's clear that Ritter is going to need some time. Um, I don't know if uh, I'm I'm still predicting that he'll be uh, inserted sometime, sometime later on in uh, this season. But it, it's very clear that Marcus Mariota is going to be the Week One starter, barring injury, and that he'll be the starter for for a while after Week One as well. But you know, Ritter, he, there's there's been some promise. He he's had some really nice throws. He's done some some really nice thing with his some really nice things with his feet out there. Um, he's going to be a, a that bit of a dual threat like he's not going to be Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson out there but he, he's going to force the defense to definitely uh definitely take note of his of his rushing ability as well as his passing ability but you know yeah he'll be he'll be on the bench learning for for a while yeah yeah and I think uh I think with Ritter like I think he's gonna look pretty good in the preseason in my opinion like I don't think he's gonna be a bad preseason quarterback I think he'll actually be effective I think he's like fairly ready to play he hasn't been as good as Marcus Mariota um and I think Marcus Mariota that's why he's the the starter at this point you know like that's why he's sort of the unquestioned starter but um I think Ritter's like not that far behind Mariota I think that we'll get a chance to see him in the preseason a lot and I think he'll probably look good. Like, he's going to look better than, like, you know, Jake Luton and, you know, <laughs> all these guys from uh, that we saw in the, the Jaguars versus Raiders game. Like, I would not be surprised if he looks better than, like, every single quarterback that played in that game. Um, but I don't know that he's – he's not really going to challenge Mariota at this point. We'll see when he gets on the field in terms of the regular season. I do think it will happen at some point. But so far, like, I've seen what we what I want to see from him. Um, but, uh, I, that's about right now. It's like, he's like a backup, like the fact that he's probably right now, like a reliable NFL backup quarterback as a rookie, like a third round rookie too. This isn't like some, you know, top 10 pick. Like, I think that's a good start for him. And that's why we haven't seen the Falcons feel like they need to add another quarterback because they're confident that if Ritter had to go into the game, that he would be able to run the offense and that sort of stuff. So, um, I think that's a good sign. I don't think that there's anything to worry about with Ritter or that he's not performing up to expectations, but Mariota is going to be the starter week one. Um, Dave, I know you haven't necessarily seen Ritter in person, but was there anything else you wanted to add on Ritter before we moved on? Yeah, I just think like it will have to be patient with him, but I think it's worth noting, like um, I can't remember if it was um, Tori McElhaney with the, the Falcons wrote a story about why the Falcons kind of fell in love with Ritter and it's got uh, Dwayne Jones, uh, with the team scouting department saying we fell in love with him like last year right and so like I think before Arthur Blank kind of blew up everything with the Watson pursuit this offseason that the plan was to have 
Ritter come to Atlanta, be drafted with Ryan at the helm. And so the fact that it's Mariota instead of um, Ryan, you know, it's it still was never a situation where you expected Ritter to step in and start this year. But I think there's also clear signs that this team really does believe in him as a talent, as a leader, as a quarterback. So I think we're just going to need to take some time to see that pay off. But I do think this has been the plan for a while. So as long as he's looking competent now instead of like a total mess, I, I think things are on track. Yeah, I agree. Um, sort of in that same vein, we had a question about Marcus Mariota uh, from Torin Torin uh, Bix, uh, who's German. He won't be able to make it tonight, but he did have some questions. Uh, so thank you for the questions, Torin. He says, uh, I was very skeptical about our QB situation after trading Ryan, like Dave just mentioned. Um, However, after what we've seen so far in training camp, I'm cautiously optimistic about Mariota and his ability to surprise us. So how probable is it, in our view, that he might rejuvenate his career and become maybe more than a one-year backstop? Um, I guess I'll, I'll go first here because I've seen him a lot. Um, and then I'm going to Dave. So Dave, you know, get ready. You know, you're on deck. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been very impressed with Mariota. I think he's been very sharp. I think he's been... Very in command, accurate, not to the level of a Matt Ryan in terms of his accuracy, but certainly good enough. Um, I think he looks very comfortable leaving the pocket, picking up stuff with his legs. That's somewhere where Desmond Ritter is still not comfortable, and you can tell. Um, I don't think that Mariota will provide the same level of passing ability that Ryan did ever, um, but I think that there's a chance that if we can upgrade the offensive line, you know, that's still a very dubious proposition at this point. We'll see what happens over the rest of training camp and how these guys look. And if we get growth from center and right tackle, and maybe Elijah Wilkinson is a good left guard or even an average left guard would be huge. Um, but I think if, if the offensive line is better, we know the passing game weapons are better, like drastically. So for Mariota this year, that Mariota with his rushing ability, uh, and the offense hopefully being in better shape around him. This could be a, a comparable offense to last year, maybe better overall, even though the passing game maybe isn't as, as deadly as it is with Ryan at the helm. Um, and if he does do that, if he plays well uh, and does and is, stays healthy and looks great, um, you know, I think there's, there is a chance that they do keep him on his team option next year. It's not very expensive for a starting quarterback. It's like 14 and a half million or something like that, which is a bargain for starting quarterback. So like they would happily pay that if he was going to be their starter. Um, I don't know that they'll go out of their way to, for that to happen. Like, I think if they really like what they've seen from Ritter, they may just let him go. They may, they may decide to just pay him the 14 and a half million do another training camp battle and see if Ritter can beat him out or whatever. I mean, it, this is all within the realm of possibility, but um, I do think that there is a, a realistic chance that Mariota becomes a long-term starter. I don't think it's a high chance, but at least could he be here for a year or two while they bring in maybe another rookie next year if Ritter's not what they want, or if they decide, like, you know, we don't want to spend our top five pick on a quarterback in the next year's class then we're going to just roll with some combination of Mario and Ritter again next year and taking you know, a Will Anderson in the top stuff then then that's maybe what they'll do but I think that's a, a good chance that that happens and then we have now Will McFadden joining us uh Will how was your dinner <laughs> oh it was great it was a breakfast for dinner so oh, um terrific I never never turn one of those down my old time yeah. one of my all-time favorites 
Oh yeah, Brenner is undefeated, uh, so I don't blame you for for going to catch that Brenner before before popping in. But uh, we were just talking about the chance that Marcus Mariota could possibly be a starter for more than just this year. So I'm curious, you've got a chance to see him in camp a little bit. What do you think about that uh, possibility for for Mariota? <laughs> um, well, part of me wants to say, can we at least see if he can be a starter throughout the entirety of year one first? <laughs> but um, no, you got to put it on paper right now. Your your yeah. take. So I mean, I, I kind of think that it's going to be a little bit of a, a rock and a hard place situation for, for Marcus Mariota, because if they are bad, right, then they're going to be in a position to take one of these top quarterbacks. And I don't think that even the most optimistic among us uh, with Marcus thinks that he is a, a long-term answer. And if you have the opportunity, regardless kind of what Desmond Ritter does, if you have the opportunity to kind of maybe stockpile a, a truly top talent at quarterback, like I think that's something that they would seriously can consider on the flip side if you know marcus mariota does well kind of keeps them uh in in it like they were last year but maybe it's a bit more of a team effort like it was a little bit last year but you see some of these young players really start to make some plays the team the floor of the team kind of grows up maybe around marcus as he's manning the ship then i think you look at a scenario where the falcons say okay we've we've got a little bit of a semblance of like what we want to do here but is the quarterback now holding us back? And that's where I think you would either see them seriously take a look at Desmond Ritter, kind of like an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation, not comparing the the, the rookie to Patrick Mahomes, but like that where you had the the veteran bridge guy for a year kind of there to to do it. And then you moved on and, and put, uh, you know, the young guy in place or they're going to have a lot of free agency money and they could just go get the next disgruntled quarterback that wants to move homes and, and say, look, you know, we've got back to Mac seven and 10 seasons or whatever, you know, they could have after this year, if that's the best case scenario, then you, you try to convince a veteran to come here with some young talent and maybe be the face of the turnaround and more of the successful face of the turnaround. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I, I think that's, more it's more likely than not certainly that Mariota is not the, the the starter here next year but there is a possibility for that to happen um yeah Dave Adnan either of you Dave I, I know you I said you were on deck but Will came in you know so I had to get him in here but Dave did you have anything you wanted to add uh on, on Mariota's chances here long term no just um I think he's sort of the ideal quarterback given the situation for like stabilizing the position this year being there for Ritter, I think there's a lot of like, there's always a lot of talk about like veteran quarterbacks mentoring younger quarterbacks, unless they're like Tannehill and they're like, screw that. Um, but I think Mariota is actually that guy and he's, he's clearly doing that for Ritter. And I think all of that makes him ideal for this year. I cannot see them next year with their expectations, the potential that they'd be coming off a fifth straight losing season with all the money they're about to spend kind of going into next year with him at the helm again, unless he's, you know, completely resurrected his career. He's a pro bowler or something like that. So I, I think the chances of him being here beyond this year are slim, but I am glad he's here this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I think the signing made a lot of sense. I think he's one of the most interesting quarterbacks in terms of writing about certainly that we could have brought in. Imagine if we were having to talk about Sam Darnold in a QB competition right now, you know, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. We will. So. <laughs> we will. Yeah. Um, it, all right. It, um, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy 
with the Mariota signing as a stopgap. But just given the structure of this contract, I'd be absolutely shocked if Mariota was still here next year. I think they knew exactly what they were doing in structuring it to where, you know, most of that cap hit is in year two and most of the cap savings is in year two as well. Um, I think there's only one of two scenarios in which Mariota is here uh, next season. One of them is what Dave just mentioned, if he just absolutely has a career year and is, you know, a pro bowler and, you know, leads the Falcons to great prosperity, maybe a postseason appearance. And I know there's some fans that have that expectation. Um, I I personally wouldn't. Um, and the other scenario is that Desmond Ritter, when he does get his chance, and I, I'm fully convinced that Ritter will get his chance at some point this season, if Desmond Ritter just looks like an absolute abject disaster. Uh, and that's something that none of us want to see. But if Ritter is just terrible and the team is not in position to draft uh, one of those big-name quarterbacks uh, in this draft, Bryce Young, uh, C.J. Stroud, um, then I can see the team going into next year being like, all right, we'll, we'll, ro- we'll run it back with Mariota. And also, this is if uh, Will scenario doesn't come to fruition and there's a disgruntled quarterback that comes available as well. Um, but other than those two scenarios, I, I don't think that the team passes up on $12 million in cap savings next offseason. I don't think that they want Mariota to be their starter next next year. I think that they want Desmond Ritter to, to take over uh, or to have, you know, that big-named next rookie sensation quarterback taking over next offseason. I think this is a stopgap year in every sense of the word. And, you know, I think as the team transitions away uh, from this and into being a better a better team, I think they'll transition away from Mark scenario as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, all right, we got from Andrew on the Patreon page. What do you guys think about the recent signings? So I assume he's talking about uh, Michael Pruitt, the tight end, um, coming in. So... Yeah, I uh, and uh, Abdullah, the the defensive tackle. I don't know too much about Abdullah. Um, you know, I think he's someone that's being brought in to shore up the death chart, and I think he he had some flashes during one of uh, Abdullah Anderson. Uh, he had some flashes during one of his seasons, but so far hasn't done a whole lot. So we'll see if he can sort of make an impression on the coaching staff over the next couple of weeks. But the one that I think is definitely interesting is Michael Pruitt, who was a guy that I really liked coming out of the draft. Um, but he was, it, he is such a, an interesting and, and I think rare career arc for a tight end as a guy who came out of, I think it was FCS level as like a really productive receiver, undersized sort of tight end and got to the NFL with everyone questioning, like, basically, oh, he can't block, but, like, you know, can he be a really good receiver? Didn't really ever catch a lot of passes in the NFL, but sort of carved out a long career now as a blocking specialist, sort of an athletic blocker who has, obviously, upside as a receiver as well. I mean, he has, I think he ran in the four fives as a tight end, which is really fast. Um, So he's a very interesting player, in my opinion. Uh, I, I like him. I think he actually has a legitimate chance of, of taking a roster spot from someone else. I, I'm a little bit 
interested in who he was brought in to compete with specifically, uh, or maybe it's just they wanted more talent in the group overall. Um, you know, I think he's sort of more competing for that Parker Hesse, John Fitzpatrick mold of player as opposed to like a Ferkser, or, or I mean, he's obviously not competing with Kyle Pitts. So um, that's an interesting one to me, but I will uh, open the floor here as well. Will, did you have any takes about uh, Michael Pruitt? You know, I, I generally try not to get too, too excited about players who are signed in training camp kind of as the result of an injury to somebody else at the position. Yeah. Generally, those guys, you know, not to disparage them, but like generally those aren't the the guys who are at the very top of your 53-man roster. Um, yeah. That being said, Michael Pruitt, I think it is interesting that they did go out and add more of a blocking element at the position. I, I do wonder if uh, Felipe Franks's kind of performance early in camp has them feeling like, all right, we've got receiving tight end fully covered. You know, we, we've got three guys who, who kind of check the box in that area. Maybe this is a little bit of an indicator of how they are feeling about the guys you just mentioned, uh, John Fitzpatrick, um, you know, Parker Hesse, John Rain, those types of guys, uh, you know, how, how are they performing so far in camp? So I, I think it's more depth. I think it's more competition um, but generally, when you kind of come into a camp at this point, you're a little bit behind um, everybody else. It, it becomes a little bit harder to really stand out, especially with preseason games right around the corner. Like he's going to have to be, I think, really, really solid from here on out from the get go to to kind of really make a push for uh, for a spot on the roster. Yeah, he's sort of and he, it's a unique situation for him, too, because this is a guy that spent, you know, three years with other Smith. So mm -hmm. he does have that existing relationship and experience in the scheme. So it does sort of lend itself to him hitting the ground running. But unlike all these other guys we've seen signed in training camp, you know, this is a guy who started nine games last year, played in all 16, you know, played more than 50 percent of his snaps on offense and stuff like that. So like, well, I think it was 43 percent technically, but he did miss some games <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, but so he's a little bit more interesting in that way, but I agree with you. Normally people that are signed at this time, it's going to be a really uphill battle for them to, to make it. Um, so I don't disagree with you there. Anybody else have, have some hot, spicy Michael Pruitt or uh, Abdullah Anderson takes for the people? One thing interesting with Michael, though, and what you mentioned as something that's going his way, he has experience with, with Arthur Smith with the Titans. I think he was getting run with, with the veterans today. Like, you know, right right off the bat, he was out there. And I, I think this was from Rothstein's notes uh, from training camp today. So I do think that he's, even though he's, he got a late start, and like Will said, it's it's never a good sign when a guy's signed this late into camp. I think he'll have a legitimate opportunity just given the position he's he's fighting, fighting it out for. Mm -hmm. It's for that. It's for that uh, Arthur Smith patented blocking specialist tight end that Lee Smith was, uh, you know, t uh, red zone target Lee Smith was was there for last year before retirement. Um, may maybe this does tell me, like, uh, like you guys were mentioning, that they just don't like what they've seen from the guys in that position, Fitzpatrick, Cassie, and um, John Rain. And I, I will say, I, I'm sure you guys weren't expecting a John Rain take today, but um, I do have a John Rain take in that <laughs> he did not really look that good on Saturday in special teams drills. They had that little gunner drill going on um, on the far on the far field on the right field, 
and John Ryan in both of his reps. The first time he got blo- he, uh he got blown by by um Jared Bernhardt, the former lacrosse player, and the second rep was against L- Nate Landman, and Landman just absolutely stood him up in a in a blocking drill where he was the blocker and Rain was was the gunner. So I don't think that that was really good for his opportunities because whoever is in this position will have to play special teams. But, you know, that that's all the John Rain takes I have. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think I think Pruitt will have a legitimate chance uh, if he shows out well in the preseason, just given his experience. Yeah, I think it's important that you mentioned it, that the Rostin did, like he was getting reps with the veterans way away, so he's not going to have to work his way up starting with the third, fourth string guys. So that, to me, definitely signals that ha- they have some level of significant interest in him. Um, so that's going to be one to watch, certainly, over the rest of preseason as someone who could kind of come in and shake up the depth chart late in the process. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, I know we had... There were a couple questions that kind of dovetail nicely together. Um, one was about any sort of defensive line reinforcements we'd like to see the Falcons sign from Daryl Moore. Uh, and then also another question from Torin that was, you know, what do we expect the Falcons to do with the current cap that they have? So I think those two kind of go together a little bit because my answer is either going to be offensive or defensive line to, to, the, to that question. Um, but I'll let, I'll let you guys get in your ideas about who you think or what you think the Falcons should spend their money on. Dave, I'll let you get the first crack at this. What would you, who would you go out and sign with the Falcons cap space? If you, if you had the, the GM hat on. Yeah, maybe I do. This is the GM right. hat. I thought it was it, Ryan Pace. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Guys, I mean, if, if the Falcons don't sign the exact players you want, I always say it at the Falcoholic on Twitter. <laughs> because if the Falcons don't do exactly what you want, it's because Dave told them not to. Yeah. So if if we don't get Roquan Smith, it's because Dave told them not to. <laughs> they really value Dave's opinion. You know, I, I've been looking for somebody to do live recaps, and it was so nice of you to volunteer for that. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Much. Um, for me, it, the answer is still the same as it was like a month ago, which is Quentin Spain. I, I still would like to see them not really gamble with left guard, but I've also accepted at this point that we're going to either get Jalen Mayfield or a guy who will be making his first career start at left guard. So um, knowing that, I would still like to see them shore up the offensive and defensive lines. I don't have a a ton of candidates in mind beyond Spain because I've been very laser focused on that possibility. But um, to me, this is clearly a situation, especially with the injuries piling up on the defensive line where adding players is probably a good idea. And I I think the fact that they haven't to this point tells you they'll probably be actively looking to do so once they cut down to 53 and there's a ton of guys flooding the market. So we'll see, but I still expect that to happen. I still think that's where the cap space is going to end up going. All right. Yep. Yeah. That one, that one makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I'm very much in favor of Spain. Adnan, who, who would you sign if you could, Choose. Um, Spain Spain is a very good one. The name that I threw out in our round table, I think the one round table I've done in the past month, sorry Dave, <laughs> um, was uh Nick Easton. Uh just because there is a there is a Terry Fontenot connection there. Easton played for the New Orleans Saints before, uh has a lot of experience playing left guard, which is I think the biggest position of team of need for the Falcons right now. 
it's not going to be Jalen Mayfield out there. Uh, it's Elijah Wilkins is going to get his uh, his crack at it uh, at that position. Um, as Elijah Wilkins, my, my mistake. But yeah, I I just want the team to bring in some more competition for that left guard position, whether that's Spain or whether that's Easton. I I really don't care. I I just want a decent average or even below average veteran because I think that's that's a vast step up from what what this team had at left guard last year yeah that makes sense to me well well who who would you go after um I, you know I, I I agree with both of those guys I don't really have a number one person on my list because generally I think that the Falcons are at this point probably you know they're they're going to do what they've been doing which is injuries happen you need some money for general you know maintenance to make sure you've got enough bodies out there they've got more than enough money to have that covered but i think what we're going to see is once roster cutdowns begin to happen and they've had their eye on certain guys throughout the league that's kind of where i think this team is from a roster building standpoint they're going to try to snipe guys with upside get them in here, get them to be part of this kind of at the ground floor, really indoctrinate them into how they want to do things and build that up. And I think that they're, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if we see them go into the season with a little bit more money than, you know, we might expect. And partially, I think part of that is going to be because they do believe that attrition happens throughout the season. And if, if they are making something of the year, like they want to have some money to maybe pick and choose a specific spot to go fill. If, if a big starter does go down, um, I don't think it's out of the question that they they do realize throughout the course of the preseason that they are, you know, not at where they want to be at left guard or that they do need an extra reserve defensive tackle or something like that. And they go sign one of these veterans who's just been on the market all summer. It's kind of well known that they're going to get invited maybe once the preseason's over and that teams are just in negotiations or talking or eyeing them and just kind of keeping them away until they actually want to sign them when the season starts. All of that's in play, but I really do think that we should be paying attention to the roster cutdowns because that is where I think the Falcons are going to be looking at who's released, who can we sign, um, and that's where we're going to see them start to really move that money around and then probably keeping some going into the season in case they do need to make or choose to make one big move then. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there certainly are names out there. Uh, You know, I mentioned Eric Flowers as a guy. Quentin Spain, certainly someone that, I'm a fan of too. Um, on the defensive side, you know, I don't know what they're really looking for at this point. Like if they're looking for another <laughs> nose tackle type, it could be, you know, we've mentioned Linval Joseph and Brandon Williams, and there's guys like uh, Malik Jackson out there. If they're looking for more of a pass rusher, uh, you know, Sheldon Richardson still kicking around. Um, Adam Butler's kind of interesting. Most recently from the Dolphins, uh, productive pass rusher, rotational guy. If they're looking for more juice there. You know, at edge, there's a couple guys, right? Like Alex Okafor, um, Benson Mayoa is a guy that I think Benson Mayoa is kind of underrated, right? Like, but like, I think they're pretty much set at edge. Like, I don't think that they have like a great edge group, but I think they've got four guys that they want to play and see what they have. So they're not really going to be itching to add another veteran there, even though that might help. I think, I think the, the, it's either going to come probably at, offensive line or like interior defensive line is where they're going to make an addition if one comes but maybe we just get lucky and like Derek Tangelo is great or something like that Um, (laughs) because the the name is great so we have half the equation already filled like Derek Tangelo that is an all pro name now we just need the all pro play to complete the prophecy of Derek Tangelo Um, 
but uh, you know he's been impressive. Don't get me wrong. So I mean, the fact yeah. that they haven't run out to sign another veteran starter should give you guys some level of like they at least are interested in what they have to the point where they don't need to like oh god we need to go get someone right now like i just don't know who you're adding at this point that like significantly changes the trajectory of this team in 2022 and and at this point like give your young guys all the reps this year's about finding answers to do that You, you don't need to plug in some you know 31 year old kind of veteran journeyman who that were no Jamon Browns, right? Like we don't need that. Just, <laughs> Please no, just, yeah. just give the guys their reps and, and let's see what they, what they're made of. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got here. We got from Caesar. Uh, he wants to know he's going to be going to his first game in Atlanta this year. And he wants to know what our recommendations are for food or hotels near the stadium. I assume he's asking. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't live in Atlanta. Um, I, I have been there before, obviously I've been to some games, um, downtown. There are some really cool hotels. Um, like if you've ever heard of the Marriott Marquis, uh, it's an expensive hotel, but it's a really unique, cool hotel. It's in a lot of sci-fi movies, actually. If you, you'll probably recognize the interior if you go in and if you've seen a lot of sci-fi movies. I think it's been in, like, Minority Report and, like, Blade Runner and things like that um, because it looks very sci-fi. So it's a cool hotel. Um, in terms of, like, value hotels, I don't know too much about that. But so, so I'll let these guys... I'll leave it open to the people that live in Atlanta. But I know, like, Will and Adnan probably have better uh, recommendations for you. So, Will, I'll let you get the first crack here. Yeah, I'm really, I'm trying to look up this place because it's right near, um, you know, obviously Centennial Olympic Park and the stadium and, and all of that good stuff. It had really, really good fried chicken. Um, oh, was it like Hattie very, B's? It may Isn't be. Hattie B's one? It, yeah. It may, is, that, is that within walking distance by, by like the Ferris wheel and you kind of go back in towards the city a little bit? I think it um, might be. That, I would definitely check that place out. I went, uh, I went there one of the days that I was working during when the Super Bowl was down here in Atlanta um, and, and kind of covering that uh, and went and got just absolutely really good down home, like fried chicken, uh, mashed potatoes, fried okra, like all of that good stuff. Um, really decently priced as well. I was, I was actually shocked by how um, big the portions were for how uh, inexpensive it was. So I would definitely check that out if you're staying uh, in and around the stadium. Yeah, that's a good one. Anand, you have any have any uh, recommendations for that oh, area? I mean, if you want, if you want to go next to the stadium, there's there's this really good seafood place that I can't quite find right now. It's right next to um, it's right next to State Farm Arena. Which, when you get down to Atlanta, the Mercedes Benz Stadium is right next to State Farm Arena. But I mean, there's uh, if you're looking for like a you know a sit down like sports bar type place there's there's a hudson grill that's like within walking distance if you, if you just want to go there uh chill for a little bit before before the game it's right next to centennial olympic park i definitely recommend checking out centennial olympic park if you've never been to atlanta it's it's the old olympic park uh you know you have uh all of the names you have the olympic rings over there it's it has this really cool fountain which shoots up water uh, you have all of the names of all the like famous people, the Olympians over there. It's so it's a really cool place to go uh, as a tourist, and you know there's there's a bunch of stuff that's that's within 
maybe not quite walking distance, but within like a few minutes of a drive as well. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're into the aquarium, it's it's right next yeah. to the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the world of Coca-Cola if you're into that. Um, the museum, the center of uh, the museum for human rights, the human rights center, which is uh, yep. there nearby as well. Len Georgia is- Tech's campus is right there. You can go check that out. Yeah, Len is just like a really cool place with, when you're downtown, there's just so much to do and it's all within uh, one condensed area. So yeah, uh, I, I would definitely recommend if you're going to a game, I definitely recommend making a whole day out of it. Uh, you know, go go to the tailgate beforehand at, at the Gulch, which is uh, right uh, right across the street from the stadium. That's, that's where all the tailgating happens. And then um, after the game, you know, just check out check out some of these cool tourist attractions and some of these cool places in Atlanta because you know that you're gonna have the game will end at like 4 p.m. You'll have like the entire rest of the day left to yourself. So yeah, definitely, it, it's all it's all within that little area. Yeah, and definitely take Marta also. Like if you're coming from the airport, it's like <laughs> two fifty to get from the airport to wherever your hotel is as long as there's a marta station like close to your hotel if you're staying downtown there probably is one it's gonna be like 250 to take marta or it's gonna be like you know 15 20 to take an uber or something like that so definitely take marta it's pretty quick pretty regular and there's a marta station like right by the stadium too so i would pretty much always recommend like using that as your transit because parking there's kind of a nightmare yeah Yeah, parking parking anywhere yeah it's yeah. the one after the Mercedes-Benz Stadium yeah. exit too. Is the, yes, is the, the new one. is the new one. So yeah, definitely do that. And I found the name of the restaurant. It's Sweet George's Juke Joint. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah it sounds as good as it is. <laughs> yeah, it's um, literally right across from the hotel I'm staying at DragonCon. So it's there right you across go. from the Ritz. Yeah. Shout out so, DragonCon. Um, yeah. and then also uh, the Beer Garden on uh, oh, yeah. the street. Uh, it's on the other street between Centennial Olympic Park and like CNN Center and all that. I'm blanking on the name right now, but that's a really good place too. And, and if yeah. you are driving, uh, I don't recommend getting parking right next to the stadium because they will upcharge the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah. The, they'll like charge like <laughs> bucks on game days. Oh yeah, no, um, it's my, terrible. My my always my go to whenever I'm parking, try to find try to find parking at uh, the 250 William Street lot, which is it, it's like a block from the stadium. It's just like it, it's just a walk. It's a straight shot right to the stadium. You pass the Waffle House there nearby. You pass the Ferris wheel. Then you just go across the street to the stadium. But normally parking there is like ten bucks, fifteen bucks max is what what I've experienced. So definitely don't park right next yeah. to the stadium because yeah. they will upcharge you. <laughs> yeah, if you can afford to like not park and just yeah. take marta or whatever yeah, that's gonna be better it's yeah, gonna be better for you you have to like if you're going yeah. with a car if you're like driving. yeah yeah if you have a car or whatever um so yeah there you go you guys have gotten the the primer there uh on on the situation downtown uh all right i think we had a couple more here let me double check we had from uh from durrell moore he's asking how do you guys think our pass rushing unit will compare to last year's? Yeah, Can't well, right, it has to be better, right? They had eight, 17 sacks, uh, you know, league low sacks, league low pressures. Um, so it has to be better. Uh, I assume that they'll get closer to like 30 sacks. Um, 
and a more like normal, not like ridiculously low, but like a more normal amount of pressure. That would be my thoughts. Um, the the crazy thing is, if they had thirty sacks last year, they still would have been last or like tied for last. <laughs> yeah, that's how far behind they were exactly. So yeah, they like, could like double their sacks and still be like mediocre at best. I think so. last year's team had the second fewest sacks in franchise history, and the team with the fewest that was like the lockout shortened season when they when they played like eight or nine games. Hell yeah. Yeah, on a game by game basis, it was much better. It was oh. it was like almost elite, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's they're going to be better. Um, I think, and I think we're going to see more of an emphasis on the blitzing from the linebackers too. Like Rayshon Evans is his entire role on passing downs is just going to be to blitz because they everyone knows he can't cover. You know he can't cover. I know he can't cover. Rayshon Evans knows he can't cover. Like they're just like they're just gonna blitz it. Yeah, DPS definitely knows he can't cover, so they're just gonna. That man played so much on third downs at training camp. They just know, like they're just gonna blitz him. Like every time they can, they're gonna send Rayshon Evans on a blitz. Um, so maybe that'll help. You know, he's been a good blitzer before. Um, and you know, I think that the young pass rushers they have that can't hurt things to have that uh in their back pocket either. Um, so that's certainly. I think I think we are hoping for positive steps there. Certainly, um, I de- I definitely think that the pass rush group, to your point, with the blitzing, is going to be bigger. I don't know if it's going to be better, but I think it's going to be much more inclusive because <laughs> that this all comes back to DMPs. You know, essentially saying what they put in sixty percent of their defense that they wanted to last year. I really think that extra forty is a lot of the more nuanced, exotic stuff that is meant to mess with quarterbacks. And a lot of that has to do with blitzing. So, you know, I I agree with you, Kevin. Rashawn Evans uh, had a really, really nice um, kind of delayed blitz around one of the ends uh, that forced Marcus Mariota. It should have been a sack in a game. It would have been a sack, but he got a pass off because they just held the whistle. But I like what they're doing with some of the stunts, using the linebackers, getting them involved, because I I, and I do think that that's going to really benefit Grady Jarrett, um, who has had a really good camp so far. I think that them moving him out uh, a little bit more into kind of that like three, five, like a little hybrid moving him in where he can get a a one-on-one matchup because they're bringing a linebacker or something. It could be his best season that we've seen in a while because I think that they're going to understand he's their best pass rusher with his hand in the dirt. And they're going to find ways to get the guys who are standing up involved so that he has a better opportunity to really create because he's still that type of player and he's still that good and he's still their best pass rusher so i think they're gonna have more options younger options fresher legs uh to throw at defense or offenses and i think that just kind of by a collective effort i think that this team should hopefully at least crack 20 yeah yeah i i I sure hope so about that 60 percent like comment if you increase Atlanta's sacks last year by 40%, they would have had like 26, and that still would have been last in the NFL. Yep, yep, so so. That, that just goes to show just how far back this team was. It's like there's like the pack. It, it, it's like the um, it's like that scene in Moneyball. It's like, oh, there's like good pass rushing teams. There's bad pass rushing teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then, you know, there then there was the Falcons. So they were just that bad <laughs> last year. Yeah, they were. Like, there's no way they can be that bad again. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, I think some of it was bad luck. Some of it was the teams they faced. Some of it was like, you know, them just being really bad. But I don't think they're going to be that bad again this year, certainly. But the thing, they were playing some rookie quarterbacks too. Like, it's not like they were, 
facing this gauntlet of just like Tom Brady's out there. Well, right. I'm sure they, they faced Brady a couple times. They actually got <laughs> a few times. To be they honest. did. They got sacks in those games generally. So it wasn't just, it wasn't Brady's fault. So yeah, the, um, they, they couldn't get sacks against like David Blow and Trevor Simeon. <laughs> you know. The Blauhard, you know, David Blauhard or whatever. Whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to come up with good quarterback nicknames for the preseason yeah. play-by-play. So give me give me a chance here, guys. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm work I'm work I'm workshopping these, but um, you have until Friday. But yeah, yeah I have until Friday. Uh, I, I'd say like closer to thirty. Like you know, I I think they'll yeah. still be like bottom five, but it won't be just like an abhorrent embarrassment like it was yeah. last. Yeah, that's the hope. That's the that's dream. a step up. That's a yeah. big step up. For that would be big. Yeah, that would be like, oh, this is like a normal pass rush. Okay. It's yeah, a bad it's normal like pass rush. But like, it's terrible. Yeah. I know Dean Pease wants like a great defense and he's, you know, consarnate. He's sick of mediocre defenses in Atlanta, dadgummit. But I, I think <laughs> we're going to have to wait a little bit for that. And I, I think all of us are so beaten down by how bad the pass rush has been. Yeah, like just anywhere near a league average would make me incredibly happy. So. Yeah there yeah i i, I think i think too sorry kevin last, no, last point but i think we need to prepare ourselves for a little bit of a chaotic um approach defensively because yeah. when you're not able to go toe-to-toe talent wise you inherently want to create a benefit by like dragging them down into just the muck and and make everything confusing even if it's like borderline unsound at times like things you're not really supposed to be doing <laughs> that's almost how you level the playing field because it's you're you're making it so like just maelstrom like that they can't really do what they want to do even if that exposes you on the back end to some big explosive plays i think that they're really going to get risky this season to try to make something happen because they don't know what their talent level is compared to some of these other teams it's not the 2007 giants who can just line up with four guys and know that they can beat you they've got to really get uh creative and i think it's going to be really risky at times, but I think it's also going to be really fun and rewarding yeah, yeah. for stretches. Yeah, that's the part of it that, that you like about that stuff is that it's going to be fun to watch the type of like just craziness that they're going to throw out at times. Um, and I think we could always look forward to that. Then, And I always enjoy fun. Like if you can't be good, be fun, you know, like that's that's the next best thing, um, because th- there's nothing worse than, you know, being boring and bad. Dirt cutter. Um, you know. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Sorry. I got something caught in my throat there. But um, yeah, I, uh, okay. We're going to get to one more quick thing here uh, that, that I saw Ollie put in the chat because I wasn't paying attention to the chat. But uh, what second year guys do you, do you guys uh, think we're going to break out this year? Second year players. Dave, I'll go to you first on that one. Uh, I know I'm all, all in on Team Richie Grant. You know, that breakout's already begun. But do you have anyone in particular, Dave? You said you'd go to me first, and then you stole yeah. my guy. Well, no, you can. T- I wasn't going to talk about it in depth. You know, you can talk about it in depth now. But Yeah, I, I think the whole thing with Richie Grant is, like, so many people were so down on him because he didn't play a lot, aside from special teams last year. And, you know, it was it seemed like a fiasco because he was a second-round pick. But I, I really think, you know, people are quibbling with, like, oh, he made a big playoff, a deflected pass. It's, you know, it's only training camp, et cetera. But I, I've been a big believer in, in Grant basically since he got here. Eric Robinson uh, kind of talked me into it, you know, with how excited he was about him. But the talent is there. The opportunities there. Like, Richie Grant is is an obvious breakout candidate, and I think we're going to see it. Um I'm as confident of him having a great season as 
just about anything with this team this year. So he's definitely my pick. Yeah, yeah, that that one I think is the the clear one. Um, and I think so far he's definitely lived up to the hype in camp. Uh, but yeah, Adnan, who who are you hoping for? I mean, like, yeah, Richie Grant is is the guy. Like, you really want Richie Grant to succeed. He was a a high second round pick last year, and you kind of really need him to succeed. But yeah, he was he was fantastic in camp. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Hawkins technically broke out last second year in this defense yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, you know i would go with that pick because i don't know if he didn't if we're not counting him as technically a breakout a breakout player last year I, I would go with him the other safety because you know he's he's a ball hawk like he has looked you know very instinctive around the ball on saturday i watched and i recorded him intercepting a, a high pass from Marcus Mariota and it was one of those like interceptions where it was pretty impressive because he really had to like get his hands up really quickly to like to secure that pick it didn't just fall yeah. around his chest it was instinct yeah and I mean that's that's something you can't teach um he's someone who I think will lead this team in interceptions this year uh and you know I, I think I think that I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to have a very very strong young safety tandem for for years to come and because if you can get two strong two very good safeties i shouldn't say strong safeties because that's technically a position <laughs> but um if you can come away with two very good safeties you know outside of the first round of the draft richie grant was a high second rounder but jalen hawkins was what a fourth rounder that's that's the foundation of, to building a good defense. Having some of these really good day three contributors, like like what Jalen Hawkins is, and I think I think the secondary this season is going to be very good. You know, I'm very skeptical still about the pass rush um, because I think they're they're still very very young, but I think this secondary has a chance to really be one of the better secondaries in the league. Yeah. I agree. I, I think we should, we should get excited about the secondary. Even if the pass rush can't quite bring everything to bear, uh, I think the secondary will be will be good and, and be the strong point of the defense for sure. All right, Will, your breakout player. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, both of those answers are correct. I, yeah, yeah. I can only hope that Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins go on to have the long, successful partnership that DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal had together. Um, but... <laughs> nobody nobody okay just leave me out to i mean I, I was gonna i was gonna i don't even wait, think they were know. listening they're both they, looking at their yeah phones. no they're they're both uh, old. No, they've been done for a while yeah. i was listening at the end of the show like that's he not was cool. trying to like he was trying to calculate like wait how long were they <laughs> uh-huh. that brief season that was beautiful yeah. as yeah. soon as you mentioned safety tandems my mind immediately went to thomas daku and william Moore. yeah that's what i was yeah. that's where exactly because that's yeah. the natural that's what makes yeah. it a joke guys exactly. um, all right good job great job by you yeah Glad we're all on the same page now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to go away from the secondary. I'm actually, it's not even a pass rusher, even though I think a lot of people view him in this way. It's going to be Ade Ogundeji. Um, I think the coaching staff, we clearly saw that they respect the hell out of what he did as a rookie, you know, just the type of demeanor that he has, the, the working, um, you know, capability that he has just day in and day out. I think he's going to make this run defense a lot better in, in year two. Every 3-4 defense needs that kind of strong side outside linebacker that can set the edge, that can really turn the run back inside. 
And I think that that's going to be his big role. Uh, Arthur Smith, you know, said this past week that they figured out really what Ade does well. And they're kind of not asking him to do too much outside of that. To me, that indicates the pass rush, things like that. But they said that the things that he does really well, like he excels in and they don't even need to correct him. They It's teach tape, essentially. They would just point at it and say, do it like this. That's how you should do it. So all of that, the consistency in his reps just points to me as a really solid run defender. Somebody who just is in the right place every time, focuses on doing his job, which is something that I don't think the defense did enough last season. You had guys kind of freelancing to some degree, which impacted the the whole unit negatively at times. I think they're going to count on Ade to be just his an anchor on early downs. And I think that if the Falcons defense, run defense gets better this season, that he will have a big part to play in that. It may not be as flashy, certainly, as as Richie Grant or even Darren Hall or Avery Williams, who I think both belong in that conversation because they've both had some some pretty good plays throughout training camp so far. But the bread and butter of this defense could really be Ade and kind of the workmanlike stuff that he does that goes a little bit under the radar. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely like Ade. I was thinking about talking about him, so I'm glad you brought him up. Um <laughs> So that makes it easy for me to talk about Avery Williams now instead, uh, because whatever you were expecting Avery Williams to be at running back, it was kind of like, I, I think you could have had a huge spectrum of things like, oh, he's not going to be able to do anything at running back to like, <laughs> he's going to be this really dynamic sort of jitterbug rusher or like, he's not going to really play running back. It's just, you know, it's just a sort of a, a change to make it easy to keep him on the roster. And I'm sure that's part of it, but as a receiver, he is extremely talented. Like he, he immediately took to being a receiver out of the backfield and in other places that the team has asked me not to disclose, uh, (laughs) that he is, he is really impressive, uh, as a receiver. I think he's going to have a role as a receiver. Um, and like early, I don't know how many carries he's going to get. Probably not many. I mean, he'll probably be an emergency guy that they call on if, you know, we have injuries at the position or whatever. But even then, you know, the next game, they'll probably activate like a Quadriolison or whatever to take the carries. And Avery Williams is just going to be a, a nice receiving guy for you. Obviously, he's got his ability as a returner. But um, he's a guy that I think will have a, a role on offense that might surprise some people. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, I'm really excited to see how they utilize him because it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be one of those fun things for a guy changing positions. Uh, just really is like same with someone like Troy Anderson. Like how quickly can he adjust? And how quickly can he get on the field? And if all we've seen so far is any indication, it could be kind of soon. So uh, fun, fun little tease for you guys there on, on Avery Williams, but he's, he's cool. Uh, he, he is a natural as they say. So uh, same like just with Felipe Franks. Some guys they change positions, and it's like, wait, why weren't you playing this before? Like you are a, clearly a natural here. Um, so sometimes it just I'm works out that way. Felipe Franks, like that's, that's yeah, us down on the job here. Yeah, yeah. No one asked about Felipe Franks. Maybe oh, I just okay. talked about Franks so much like the last week that everyone's like, no, we're good. I, I was uh, gonna say, uh, how are we an hour and ten minutes into the show, and this is the first like real Felipe Franks reference? Yeah. Well, Dave, you know, we need to let Dave talk about Felipe Franks. So, Dave, please take take it away. No, my, my favorite thing about Felipe Franks is I have been prophetically joking about him since last year, last spring. Like, I was like, oh, he seems like a guy the Falcons will be interested in because he's big and athletic. And then, like, 
maybe he'll play another position because he's big and athletic. Like every single time I make a joke about him, it comes true. So I'm kind of afraid to keep doing it, honestly. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. It's like the monkey yeah. paw. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you, you, have a, you have a gift here. You have an opportunity. You could make you could make Felipe Freaks the next Tom Brady, you know, but maybe a better person. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I the better person thing I'll work very hard on. Yeah, yeah, make sure that's in the wish before you use the monkey paw. So yeah, the you know Felipe Frank's <laughs> probably giving all his money to charity. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, Crick, <you> know. <laughs> we, I've mentioned it in, in in our group multiple times. I think that this is a four D. My conspiracy theory is that this is a 4D chess move by Arthur Smith. He wants to push this Felipe Franks thing for one trick play, like two or three years. That's all this is about. Yeah, one trick play, and it'll be one that like wins the Falcons the game and goes for like a huge touchdown. Or he just like throws it back to Franks, and Franks just like slings it downfield to one of our speedy receivers. I, I think that's how this began, but then I, I think Felipe Franks was just so good in training camp. Right. They're like, hey, you know what? You know what? Well, we actually have a spot for this guy. This, this guy actually <laughs> plays tight end really well. I don't, you know, I think he, I mean, he's looked better than I think any of us ever He's been imagined. really good. Yes. Like, he looked really good. Yes. Like, really natural as a, as a receiver. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen him block, but... Clearly, Arthur Smith doesn't need every one of his tight ends to block. I mean, look at Anthony yeah. Ferkser. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't Anthony think you're going to see him block. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Ferkser don't block. Arthur Smith don't care. So, um, Kyle Pitts isn't going to block. Right. Kyle, I mean, I've seen him block once, uh, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. No, no Kyle Pitts, they have to, like, get in the way. You know, they're not going to be dependent on to be, yeah. like, standing up an edge guy uh, in line. But, you know, they need to be able to at least get in the way. But I think he can do that. You know, I think I think that that's something he can handle. But, uh yeah, Felipe Franks. Anybody anybody else want to wax poetic about Franks before we wrap it up? I think that's a good topic to end the show on. So. No, just that he's been... Uh, I think we, like, saw it as, like, a joke. You know, I think your first, like, video or two, Kevin, where it's like, oh, yeah, Felipe Franks got this, like, catch in one-on-one. Yeah. And you're like, yep. oh, yeah, it's like, you know, Felipe Franks. Like, it was funny at first, that. yeah. And then it's like, it just kept happening. Yep, yep. And he kept getting receptions. And then we're like, oh, oh, shit. It's like, oh, here's him beating like a safety, and here's him beating a cornerback. Here's, here's him trucking before, <laughs> you know, on his way to the end zone. Which I, is, yeah. We've, I mean, we've seen, we've seen non-football players transition to the NFL successfully at what position? Tight end. And so, you know, of of the positions, I'm not going to say it's like the easiest to learn, but I do think it's the one most conducive to just some natural athleticism. Go out there, you know, you're we're not asking you to run. 50 yards down the field and beat a corner who can run a four, three. We're asking you to get in front of a linebacker or a safety box him out and, and make a contested catch. Felipe can check a lot of those boxes and he's got a little bit more, I think speed and wiggle than people would expect. I think it's going to take maybe a full season of, of really working at this position for him to improve in those areas. But in the short term, red zone, short yardage gadget plays. I mean, I think that he's going to be, Adnan's point like a little bit bigger of a, a part of this offense than maybe we all expected when this first began and I mean like on Saturday and Will, Will was there he can attest to this he was he was the star of the show on Saturday <laughs> like legitimately he he had that like truck on, on Tabor and seven on sevens and he had maybe the best catch of the day which was like late late on in 11 on 11s where 
Ritter threw him the ball. I, I think he lost his footing a little bit. Yeah, he was falling down. Yeah, and, and he just like makes this amazing diving catch like near the sidelines, and that's in addition to his like his good his good couple plays as a quarterback. Like I think his one like throw on eleven on eleven was just this like perfect pass, which was which went like thirty yards, and then like the very next play he got like. 10 15 yards scrambling so i mean he like he was legitimately the star of the show on saturday i i do think it's worth pumping the brakes a little bit like it's not this is not 2004 madden michael vick that that we're unleashing like it's it's still just he's against like the second and third team guys but he'll be he'll be the most fun player to watch in the preseason for sure Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if he has like two touchdowns against uh against the Lions this week, he'll get gonna drafted be... in fantasy league. Oh, he's gonna he start getting touchdowns. drafted. Yeah, he's gonna start getting drafted. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, no. The thing is, I think he's he's done good. Enough. Like, he's not gonna be like out there getting regular season snaps over Ferks or, or like Kyle Pitts. Probably That's not. Yes. But, Definitely not Kyle Pitts. <laughs> yeah, but he, I think he's doing well enough to actually make this roster as a tight end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he would. I think he would. I, he's going to make it as a quarterback because they're going to keep listening to him there, I, I guess. But yeah, but the thing, that's huge for the team. If they can, like, if Pitts can make this team as, like, a tight end, as, like, the fourth tight end, like, that saves a roster spot because he's your emergency quarterback. Like, you you will still have three active quarterbacks playing, except Kyle Pitts can, or excuse me, Felipe Franks can also play tight end. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's what the team really wants. And Arthur Smith was nothing but complimentary about um, Felipe Frank, the press conference. Like I, I went out of my way to ask him about Felipe Franks in the press conference. And I noted it in, in a tweet, like Arthur Smith, like literally let out a smile after I asked him about Felipe Franks. And, you know, Arthur Smith is like as stone faced as they come. (laughs) And, you know, he was just saying how, how, like how amazing it is coaching Felipe Franks and how special he is. So, I think I think that the hype is like real with the coaching staff at least, and I think they want him to make this roster because then they can save that that roster spot and use it on another position as well. Yeah, I will yeah. say like long term though, I worry about Arthur Smith getting like Sean Payton disease if this works out, and if Avery Williams <laughs> works out, where like he's just going to be convinced he can turn anybody into any position he wants. He's going to go power mad with it. Like maybe he can. Maybe he can. You know, maybe he can. I don't know. So, yep. And they're just, just as we say that, you know, around the NFL, posts a tweet. You know, Saints Taysom Hill on switch to tight end. This isn't what I want, but it's what's best for the team. <laughs> there, then you got Felipe Franks switching to tight end. Doesn't say anything negative. So you know, yeah. At they, least, at least I'm, Franks is actually a good tight end, though. Taysom Hill is the discount for Felipe Franks. I'm exactly. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's time. It's time. You know, I, literally the discount. Well, discount, you know, not necessarily literally, but. <laughs> I don't know what Taysom is complaining about. Isn't he like one of the highest paid tight ends in the league right now? <laughs> yeah. I do think if we're if we're going to game this out, though, and, and do roster predictions and things like that, I know people have, have been talking, you know, six defensive linemen, five defensive linemen. Like, what what does that look like? You know, generally your tight ends, especially the guys further down on the roster, are key special teams bodies on your on your like kickoff units, your coverage units in the middle of the field. They're the ones kind of setting those wedges, breaking those wedges when they used to exist. But 
if Felipe Franks is one of your tight ends, I, I don't really know if he's a guy that you're utilizing across the board on special teams um, because of his importance as your, as your third quarterback. So does that maybe mean that they would go five defensive linemen and go another linebacker because that is the type of player who you would fill in normally in that same role? It's usually linebackers, fullbacks, and tight ends. I don't think they're carrying multiple fullbacks. So right. I think maybe could that give us an answer or an early indication as to how this roster could shake out if Felipe does take up one of those tight end spots? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm wondering definitely if it's going to be that they just keep him as a third quarterback and just sort of be like, okay, we're just keeping him as a third quarterback. We're counting him as a quarterback, but they keep a fourth tight end anyway. Um, yeah. And then they probably, they probably like that right now, how I'm doing the roster math is they keep four tight ends, three quarterbacks, five wide receivers and nine offensive linemen. So, um, you know, so they, they, they don't, they only keep five wide receivers, which that's going to be hard too, right? Because you're probably saying goodbye to like Auden Tate or Geronimo Allison or Kaderil Hodge, mm-hmm. one of those guys, at least one of those guys, not two of those guys. So that's going to be a tough cut to make too. But like you said, for the special teams reasons, I think keeping that extra tight end might be more important. It might be but, also but that's they if they decide, the, if they yeah, decide yeah. to do that for that mm-hmm. reason, they could, that could open up another spot for one of those guys that you just listed. They may yep, not yep. need that fourth tight end. If, if Felipe Franks kind of fills that role. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have, we'll have to see, like we don't, the special teams drills, they haven't shown like a ton of, we're going to see more of that. I think in the preseason, you know, no offense, but that wasn't like the focus of my coverage while I was at training camp. Um, but we'll see it in the preseason. If, if Franks is out there on all of those special teams plays, then you have a, it's a great clue as to like, Oh, this guy is, you know, going to be playing a lot. Like he's going to be active. He's going to be playing special teams and he's going to be the ace in the hole at tight end. So, uh, very exciting. At least we have, you know, fun, position switch players to talk about uh here but yeah we've got preseason coming up too guys on friday we will be having our live play-by-play uh during the first preseason game so that'll be a lot of fun we'll be back tomorrow wednesday night for the falcoholic lives normal wednesday show breaking down all this stuff uh in detail with camp preseason all that talk so thank you to all the patrons for hanging out getting your questions in. it was a lot of fun Thank you to everyone uh, listening, watching this after the show is over. We appreciate that, too. And we will see you guys next time. Before we take off, I want to thank all my guests. First of all, Will McFadden. He's at Will McFadden on Twitter, host of the Believe in Falcons podcast. Will, anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, no, just uh, some stories coming on the Falcolic throughout the rest of training camp, kind of breaking down guys that I've talked to, um, players I'm excited to watch, notable things that are occurring, all of that good stuff. So find that. Uh, at the Falcolic. Yeah, excellent stuff there. We also have with us Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Oh, no. No? Okay, cool. Cool. Great. Excellent. I like it. Uh, <laughs> then we've got Dave Cho at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, thank you for coming on once again and anything you would like to plug. Just excited for Adnan to pick up the live recaps. I think it's going to be great. Um, yeah, looking really forward detailed. to it. Yeah. It's going to be a paragraph per drive. Um, each paragraph <laughs> will be awesome. So yeah. Looking uh, forward to that. Yeah, the, uh, uh, I feel like that will be Dante's like seventh circle of hell, writing a paragraph per drive about this Falcons team this year. It, it's at least the seventh. It might be the eighth. So, um, but anyways, yeah, um, aside from that, I am looking forward to just uh, 
reading some of the upcoming coverage we have for preseason. Um, obviously, everything um, right before the season and roster cuts. It's one of my favorite times of the year, just seeing the team take shape. So look for everybody's uh, write-ups on that. And uh, let's go Falcons, I guess. Uh, I, I will uh, I will revise my answer. I will cover our preseason coverage on Friday. Um, Kevin and I will be watching the preseason game, the Falcons lines starting at six, and we will be doing our play by play and analysis, you know, of the game as, as we do every preseason game. And we'll be doing that for the entire preseason. Um, so yeah, watch with us because, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we do a better job than the CW folks. <laughs> that, I mean, look, I just like, it's not even meant as a slight, like what like TV person would ever care about the Falcons, like third and fourth string players that would like, would you even would, like, I don't expect these people to know their names, but we are sickos and degenerates. So we know all of their we'll names. Know. We'll yeah, know. We'll know. Like we'll, we'll know the intricacies of the exact roster battle they're fighting for and their chances of making the 53 man roster. So you can't get that analysis anywhere else folks. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be talking, about these undrafted guys like <laughs> the guy the guys we've actually been like talking about yep, yep because you know we have to talk about something in the dead period oh yeah so, yeah yeah we'll, we'll know oh yeah big time so definitely check that out folks thanks again everyone for tuning in thank you patrons for the questions for the support we really appreciate you guys like i said uh, the patron fantasy league i know everyone's asking about it uh it's it's coming together as we speak I'm putting together the lists for the leagues. Thank you. If you haven't yet uh, put in your, filled out the like Google form, uh, guys, put that in for sure so I can get your name down. There'll be an opportunity also to, to add yourself, you know, before the draft and stuff like that if we have any late entries. But uh, yeah, appreciate that. And that is coming. So don't worry about that, folks. But again, thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you guys next time on the Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.